Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, The Problem with Kings, The Reign of the Judges, and The Lie of Universal Salvation. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. All right, our Come Follow Me curriculum brings us to Mosiah chapter 29 through Alma chapter 4. Um, Mosiah was growing old, but none of his sons were really interested in becoming the king after him. Some of the people wanted uh, Mosiah to compel his son Aaron to become the next king. Mosiah thought very carefully about that, and he responded with some background on how governments work. It's really insightful, and even though this is a fairly big chunk, I'd like to read through it. This is Mosiah chapter 29, verses 5 through 18. Behold, O ye my people, or my brethren, for I esteem you as such, I desire that ye should consider the cause which ye are called to consider, for ye are desirous to have a king. Now I declare unto you that he to whom the kingdom doth rightly belong has declined, and will not take upon him the kingdom. And now, if there should be another appointed in his stead, behold, I fear there would rise contentions among you, and who knoweth but what my son, to whom the kingdom doth belong, should turn to be angry and draw away a part of the people after him, which would cause wars and contentions among you, which would be the cause of the shedding of much blood and perverting the way of the Lord, yea, and destroy the souls of many people. Now I say unto you, Let us be wise and consider these things, for we have no right to destroy my son, neither should we have any right to destroy another, if he should be appointed in his stead. And if my son should turn again to his pride and vain things, he would recall the things which he had said, and claim his right to the kingdom, which would cause him and also this people to commit much sin." And now let us be wise and look forward to these things, and do that which will make for the peace of this people. Therefore, I will be your king the remainder of my days. Nevertheless, let us appoint judges to judge this people according to our law, and we will newly arrange the affairs of this people, for we will appoint wise men to be judges." that will judge this people according to the commandments of God. Now, it is better that a man should be judged of God than of man, for the judgments of God are always just, but the judgments of man are not always just. Therefore, if it were possible that you could have just men to be your kings, who would establish the laws of God and judge the people according to his commandments, yea, if you could have men for your kings who would do even as my father Benjamin did for this people, I say unto you, if he could always be the case, then it would be expected. 
expedient that you should always have kings to rule over you. And even I myself have labored with all the power and faculties which I have possessed to teach you the commandments of God and to establish peace throughout the land, that there should be no wars, nor contentions, no stealing, nor plundering, nor murdering, nor any manner of iniquity. And whosoever has committed iniquity, him have I punished according to the crime which he has committed, according to the law which has been given to us by our fathers. Now I say unto you that because all men are not just, it is not expedient that ye should have a king or kings to rule over you. For behold, how much iniquity doth one wicked king cause to be committed? Yea, and what great destruction! Ye remember King Noah, and his wickedness and his abominations, and also the wickedness and abominations of his people? Behold, what great destruction did come upon them! And also because of their iniquities, they were brought into bondage. All right, a fairly large ch chunk. Um, let's think about some of these concepts. Some people look at this and say, okay, obviously, he's talking about the government, and there are problems with having a king. Um, in the United States, it's easy to think of great presidents of the United States, such as George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, but it's also easy to find a terrible president of the United States, like James Buchanan or Martin Van Buren. Uh, the effect of good and bad leaders is exaggerated on the people even more uh, when there are kings, when we think about like the kings of Judah, Hezekiah was miraculously delivered from a Syrian invasion. It was an incredible act of God, and it was due to the righteousness that he personally helped to establish in the kingdom of Judah. His son, Manasseh, the very next king, was garbage who brought death to innocence such that the streets of Jerusalem ran red with their blood. Ultimately, Manasseh was marched away in captivity, and only in that humiliation did he turn away from what he had done. What a disaster it was, from prosperity and salvation to bondage with just one uh, consecutive change of, of leadership. In other words, these principles absolutely apply to government. Um, good and evil matter in government. But these principles are not limited to government. An abusive or neglectful or otherwise evil parent can bring upon their family awful calamity. A negative employer can bring out the very worst in their employees. A petty or bitter spouse can bring out the worst in their companion. And no one likes bad neighbors either. Sometimes, with this view, it can be easy to see a person as an unchanging good or evil. 
But that's not always the case either. The sons of Mosiah, among whom Aaron, uh, the people wanted to be their king, um, uh, 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 he was among them, and they had been awful individuals who sought to persecute and destroy the church. And we will, as we continue our studies, realize that they completely turned their lives around and spent the rest of their lives trying to make up for that and being good. David, a man who had been chosen because the Lord looked upon his heart, he still went down a path that led to the murder of innocent Uriah the Hittite. Everyone has the potential, regardless of where they are, to become good or evil. Everyone has elements in their nature that lead them toward good, which includes even King Noah, the example that was used by Mosiah in our reading. Uh, even he was temporarily worried that what Abinadi said about his fate might be true. And it was only when his wicked priests kind of joined uh, to, to support him that he, he firmed up his position and, uh, and decided to go ahead and kill Abinadi. Um, it's also possible, like people like Lehi, who murmured when Nephi's bow broke. A very good person can do something that is not good. And this is really important because when a person sees their own potential to become good or evil, they are far more likely to become humble and merciful. Anyone could be better. In general, people want to live in an environment that is good and not one that is evil. People who live in bad neighborhoods don't like living there, even if they are contributing to some of the bad. Um, the mechanism that is proposed is the division of powers, and it allows for cooler heads to prevail, for temperance and prudence to override the, the temporary passion and fury of a single power or a small group, a wise steward counsels with others, and most importantly, consults the Lord so that they can be confident that they are making the right decision. So the proposal that Mosiah comes up with, uh, let's read some verses. This is in Mosiah 29, verses 25 through 32. Therefore, Choose you by the voice of this people, judges, that ye may be judged according to the laws which have been given you by our fathers, which are correct, which were given them by the hand of the Lord. Now it is not common that the voice of the people desireth anything contrary to that which is right, but it is common for the lesser part of the people to desire that which is not right. Therefore, this shall ye observe and make it your law to do your business by the voice of the people. And if the time comes that the voice of the people doth choose iniquity, 
Then is the time that the judgments of God will come upon you. Yea, then is the time he will visit you with great destruction, even as he has hitherto visited this land. And now if you have judges and they do not judge you according to the law which has been given, ye can cause that they may be judged of a higher judge. If your higher judges do not judge righteous judgments, ye shall cause that a small number of your lower judges should be gathered together, and they shall judge your higher judges according to the voice of the people. And I commend you to do these things in the fear of the Lord. And I commend you to do these things, and that ye have no king. That if these people commit sins and iniquities, they shall be answered upon their own heads. For behold, I say unto you, the sins of many people have been caused by the iniquities of their kings. Therefore, their iniquities are answered upon the heads of their kings. And now I desire that this inequality should be no more in this land, especially among this my people. But I desire that this land be a land of liberty. And every man may enjoy his rights and privileges alike, so long as the Lord sees fit that we may live and inherit the land, yea, even as long as any of our posterity remains upon the face of the land. So, in these verses, Mosiah calls for a simple division of power. The voice of the people creates the law. The judges interpret the law, and there are mechanisms for handling corrupt judges. No one individual has absolute power. It's divided among various judges and ultimately all of the people. The advantage of this setup is a resistance to shifting uh, laws. A person has to convince all of the people for some sort of change to be uh, implemented or a new policy to be added. Of course, the disadvantage of this is the lack of adaptation. A king is capable of making decisive changes that may be necessary or good. The people do not have this ability. This exchange, though, consolidated power is given up in exchange for liberty, uh, this is a positive exchange so long as the people use their liberty for good. This ended up being a system that prevailed for about a hundred years and largely was very positive. Uh, they had almost immediate attempts that we will uh, that you can find in, in this week's reading. Uh, but we aren't going to go into a lot of detail about it. But almost immediately, they had attempts to change the law and establish a king in Amlasai. And their system provided them a mechanism to resist these changes and conserve their traditions and their faith. It was very important and very useful. All right. The last subject, the lie of universal salvation. An individual named Nehor arises and proclaims, wrapped in the guise of faith, that nothing is wrong. 
This is what it reads in Alma chapter 1, verse 4. And he also testified unto the people that all mankind should be saved at the last day, and that they need not fear nor tremble, but that they might lift up their heads and rejoice. For the Lord had created all men, and had also redeemed all men, and in the end all men should have eternal life. This concept, this doctrine that we read about in Alma 1.4 that Nehor was teaching is sometimes called universal salvation. That because we're all the children of God, ultimately everyone will be saved. Um, this is not the case. It is important to note, though, Nehor wasn't doing this teaching to deceive the people. He actually bought this. He believed it to a very strong degree, so much so that he came across a person who disagreed with him, Gideon, who had resisted King Noah, a really good guy. And uh, in his disagreement, he became passionate, heated, and used a sword to slay Gideon. And then, being brought before the law, he defended himself, thinking that he had not done anything wrong. This is the ultimate acceptance of this universal salvation, that I should be able to murder people and God still loves me, and I'll still be redeemed. That's a lie, though. Even today, there are those who seek, wrapped in the guise of don't judge, or God loves everyone, or trying to be Christ-like, uh, who, who preach the same false doctrine. And while it is true that God extends a ludicrous amount of mercy and forgiveness, an incredibly abundant amount of mercy and love, this does not mean nothing is wrong. It's not just the benefit of living in a society without murder that is good, but committing a murder is evil. This deed is really bad. It's not just the benefits of living with fidelity and marriage that is good, but adultery in all of its forms is evil. There are those that think that, uh, that there's nothing that's really wrong. We just want to focus on the positive, that we, we don't want to cast stones and he that is without sin, let him first cast a stone at her, being used as a, a method for this universal salvation that we're not allowed to say sin is bad. But this is wrong. The power of Christ's atonement does not make sin okay. It makes a person forgivable. Jesus himself has always instructed his prophets to teach repentance, to turn away from sin, and he sent his apostles forth when he organized his own church in the meridian of time with the same message to go forth inviting repentance 
and baptism, a commitment to do those things that his father would have them do. Ultimately, Nihor was punished for his crime, but his philosophy continued to plague the Nephites as it continues to plague us. Ultimately, in conclusion, it is vital that we learn from bad ideas in the scriptures or other sources because God wants us to repent and become better to get rid of bad habits and behaviors and thinking and become like him. It's vital that we understand that we have the potential to become either good or evil and that we choose to become good and not evil. And while it is not always possible to select those in uh, authority in government, it is possible to make Christ your king. And if he rules us, it will be well with us indeed. We appreciate all the support for the Ward Preacher podcast. Next week, we will be looking at Alma chapters 5 through 7, receiving his image in your countenance. There's a lot of stuff that we did not cover this week. Please study these chapters individually and with your family. And as always, fight on.